Well, good morning. Good morning. That was, was really quiet. So we are continuing this sermon series uh, looking at discipleship, asking ourselves, what did Jesus say about disciples? What does that mean for the church mission? What is our mission of healthy disciples making healthy disciples? So we've talked about what does it be on mission? What does it mean to be a disciple in the family? And today and next week, we are talking about prayer in the life of a disciple. Next week, Quick is going to go a little deeper about kind of the art and craft of listening to God as a disciple. And today we're going to go with the basics, the basics of what is prayer? How did Jesus pray? Was he a praying person? What did that look like for him? I'm convinced, and I think you will be too, after I give you some examples, that all of us pray on a regular basis in some form or fashion. See if you've prayed any of these prayers. Oh, Lord, at Valley View today, help me to find that special parking spot. You ever prayed that one? I know you have. I have as well. Or there's this one when you're in fifth grade. Lord, may Sally want to go to the dance with me. Or this one. Lord, I'm running late. May the Starbucks at Towers be a short line. <laughs> right? Or this one. These ones are a little more closer at hand. I've got a job interview today. Lord, help me to present my best self. Lord, I have a, um, a test coming up, and I didn't really study as much as I would like. Or this one. Lord, it's Christmas Eve, and I know it's 3 p.m., and I don't have a present yet. Give me wisdom as I go to Belks for my wife. You ever prayed that prayer? No, I'm being serious. We all have this posture where we are calling out to God in the midst of life. Are you waiting for a... Uh, a note from the doctor. There's a family in our church and the mother is in a very difficult place in the hospital and uh, they may have to say goodbye to her in the next day or so. I know they are praying. We are praying for them as a church staff. Or maybe you're in a difficult spot in your marriage and you're just saying, God, help us. We don't know what to do. Let me ask you, when you hear the words prayer, a praying life, a prayer-saturated life, what does it do for you? When you hear that, do you, do you get excited about prayer or does it stress you out? When you hear about the invitation to, to pray, is it a burden? Oh, I just don't pray enough. I, just some lousy prayer. Or when you hear the invitation to pray, does it, does it you know, oh man, I can't wait to do that. In our culture, so often they say, well, nobody prays anymore. Who does that? God's not really real. And yet, how many times have you seen people take this posture? Why is this happening to me? What are we doing in that posture? Or maybe this one. I just don't know how I'm going to make it through. The posture of our life says so much that we are reaching out for something beyond ourselves. That's the way God created us. So what did that look like in the life of Jesus? And what does that look like for us as disciples? But we should pray before we talk about prayer. So let's pray. Lord, thank you this morning. You know us the best, and you love us the most. Nobody else can do that. We pray and ask you, bring Scripture alive for us today. Shoot it like a fiery arrow into our souls to ignite 
to give us new life. In Jesus' name, amen. So let's begin with Jesus first, right? There are over 23 times in the New Testament specifically that refer to Jesus and prayer. Jesus prayed alone. Jesus prayed in public before meals, uh, before healings, after healings, while he's speaking to the religious leaders. Jesus prayed before walking on water. I encourage you, if you're going to go home and walk on water tomorrow, pray about it first. See what the Lord has for you about that. Jesus prayed before feeding 4,000. If you ask my Alpha leader, sometimes I'm just like biting my fingernails, hoping we don't run out of food at Alpha. I can't imagine having 4,000 to feed on that little. But what did Jesus do? Scripture says Jesus gave thanks. He had this posture of prayer that he was uh, living his life into. Jesus was 100% God. He was 100% man. He was also 100% a praying person. We could spend all month looking at it, but I broke it down into three easy categories for us. Category number one, Jesus prayed regularly at the beginning and at the endings of things in his life. Jesus prayed at the beginnings, his baptism, the beginning of his mission. He had waited 30 years and now he gets commissioned. The Holy Spirit comes. And what does it say he's doing in Luke? He's praying. The beginning of his ministry, he is praying. Turn over to Luke chapter 6. If you've got a Bible, turn over to Luke. We're going to look at three key passages this morning. They're all in Luke. And the first one is this one, Luke chapter 6, verse 12. This is another beginning moment for Jesus, a really significant moment for him. He had waited 30 years. He started his ministry, and he gathers this team together, these disciples, ragtag group of people, to continue his ministry on after he's gone. What's interesting is what he does as he starts and he gathers these folks. Look at verse 12, Luke 6, 12. In these days, Jesus went out on the mountain to pray. And all night he continued in prayer to God. At the one of the most significant moments in the early part of his ministry, what does he do? He stays up all night. And he's in conversation, communication, listening to the Father. Verse 13, And when day came, he called his disciples and chose with him the twelve, whom he named apostles. And then in Scripture, names them all. So Jesus prayed at the beginnings, and Jesus prayed at the endings of his life and his ministry. Thomas Fuller, great Anglican theologian, says this. He said, Prayer should be the key of the day, and it should be the lock of the night. Prayer should be the key of the day. We start our day with the key of prayer. God, thank you for today. Prayer is the lock of the night. God, thanks for today. And I go to bed and I'm in your arms. So a question for us as a disciple. We've talked about a disciple is a learner, a follower, a student who's put our life and faith and trust in him. That's what it means to be a disciple. So as a disciple of Jesus, where is prayer in the beginnings and the endings of our life? Of daily life, in and out, at the mailbox, at the grocery store, at the beginning of a hard day, at the end of a hard day, at the beginning of an easy conversation, at the end of an easy conversation. What does it look like in your life to have prayer be at the beginnings and the endings? 
That's the invitation we see from Jesus. So number one, he was a prayer. He prayed regularly at the beginnings and the endings. Number two, Jesus prayed at the highs of his life. And Jesus prayed at the lows of his life. John Chapman says it this way. Pray as you can and do not pray as you can't. What does that mean? C.S. Lewis says this way, same thing. Lay before God what is in us and not what ought to be in us. Give to God the highs and give God the lows. Be in conversation at the great moments of your life you're celebrating and know that God is there to conversate with you at the low points as well. So turn over to Luke chapter 22. Again, Luke is pointing out for us Jesus and the prayer-saturated life. Jesus and the prayer-filled life. You see in John 6, 11, he's, he's praying at this amazing moment, giving thanks before the crowd. And then also Jesus has this really low moment. He's invested his whole life in these men. And women, for that matter, but especially the twelve. Especially the three, Peter, James, and John. And what does Jesus know? They're all going to run at the end. He's invested everything in them, and they're all going to scatter. And Peter, in particular, is going to deny him. I would consider that a pretty low moment for Jesus. And what does he say to Peter? Verse 31, Luke twenty-two, thirty-one. 31. Simon, Simon, behold, Satan demanded to have you, that he might sift you like wheat. But I have prayed for you. Peter, I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned again, strengthen your brothers. Jesus praying this amazing moment of feeding all these people and then Jesus praying and in communication at the lows, thinking to himself, everything, my team is going to disband, but I am praying for them. F.B. Myers got a great book on prayer. He says this, The great tragedy of life is not unanswered prayer, but unoffered prayer. The great tragedy of life is not that God says no to prayers, and we don't understand them, we don't see them, but we don't offer them. The reality is most of us think, I can't ask God about that. I can't be in conversation with God about that. I can't lift that concern to God. That's totally muck. Look at the mistakes I've made in my life. F. Meyer, F.B. Meyer is saying, the real mistake is we never offer any of those. Are you at a spot this morning and you're saying, look, I am down in the lows. God's right there with you. Richard Foster expands it. He says, it's the notion almost universally among most modern high achievers that we have to have everything together just right in order to pray. That is, before we can really pray, our lives must need some fine-tuning, or we need to know more about how to pray, or we need to know the philosophy around prayer, or we need to better grasp the great traditions of prayer before we can pray. Our problem is that we assume prayer is something that we master, like algebra or auto mechanics. Foster says, that puts us in the on-top position where we are competent and in control. But when praying, we come underneath. 
where we deliberately surrender control and we become incompetent. Have you ever felt like you were incompetent at a low point in your life? That's a great place to pray. Emily Griffin says, to pray means to be willing to be naive. Jesus says, come to me when you have it all together. He says, come to me like a child. Helpless, needy, you don't have it together. Jesus prayed at the highs of his life. Jesus also prayed at the lows of his life. The invitation for us this morning as a disciple of Jesus Christ, how are you and I hearing and responding to God's invite, his invitation to communication with him in the midst of the highs and the midst of the lows? When's the last time we had a really great celebratory moment in our life and the first thing that came out of our mouth was, oh God, thank you. I mean, that's what Sunday worship is all about. It's a celebration of God. You are so great. You are so kind. All these highs. But worship is all about dragging in and saying, God, I am at a really low right now. God, do you hear my SOS? And the invite is absolutely. Jesus did it. The invitation is for us as well. So number one, Jesus prayed at the beginnings and the ends. Two, Jesus prayed at the highs of his life. Jesus prayed at the really low points of his life. Number three, Jesus prayed with great honesty and trust in God the Father. We see this right at the end of his life in Luke Chapter 23, we see it a couple different places. So turn over to Luke 23, 34 is the first one we're going to look at. You talk about a low point, yes. You talk about a high point, yeah, it could be. You talk about a place to be honest and trust in God. Dying on a bloody cross is a great opportunity to show great trust and great honesty. So Luke 23, 32, two others who were criminals were led away to be put to death with him. And when they came to the place that is the skull, there they crucified Jesus and the criminals, one on his right, one on his left. And Jesus said, as the nails are being put in there in cruciating pain, he said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they do. What amazing honesty. What amazing trust. Father, I'm being hung up to die for something I did not do, but I want you to forgive these folks. And then we see in verse 46, let's start at verse 44. Again, Jesus. It was now the sixth hour and there was darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour. While the sun's light failed and the curtain of the temple was torn in two, then Jesus calling out with a loud voice said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. Jesus in his prayer showing amazing trust. Father, this is a mass murder and I'm at the center of it. But I give myself to you. Al Martin says it this way. He said, what is prayer in its last analysis? What is the core root of prayer? 
Martin says, it's the conscious spreading out of my helplessness before God. It's saying, God, I don't have it all together. I'm not perfect. Twisted motives and all. God, here's my high. Here's my low. Here's my beginning. Here's my end. I just come to you and say, God, here I am. So what does it look like for you and for me? to be more honest and to be more open in our prayers to God the Father. There's incredible freedom. Now you may be saying, all right, Brian, that's great. You know, you seem like you have a lot of experience in that. Those are all great words. But listen, I'm just an average person in the Roanoke Valley. I'm just trying to figure out what does it mean to follow Jesus? What does it mean to be a Christian? How to get here on Sunday mornings? Trying to be nice to my family and coworkers and all that kind of stuff. What you're saying is, Brian, I just have a lot of barriers. And I'm going to say you are exactly right. We all have a lot of barriers in our prayer life. In specific, I think there's three that are really big. And we got to talk about them. Number one is busyness. Busyness is one of the massive barriers to a prayer-filled life, a life that is saturated in conversation, communication with a God that knows us, listening and talking. Busyness will be a massive barrier for you and for me. Is your life set up in a way that you can pray moment by moment, or are you too busy? Number two, an incorrect view of God. We have this picture, this skewed picture of who God is, and it's actually a repeller to be in communication with a God who knows us and loves us. Maybe you think God is like the Santa Claus in the sky, and he's got his finger pulled back. He's about ready to flick you off the planet because you're living a messed up life. If that's a picture of God, I wouldn't want to be in communication with that God either, would you? What about it's a God who knows you, a God that came to rescue you, God that knows you've turned your back on him and he's running after you. See, an incorrect view of God creates a barrier that makes it difficult to communicate. And then lastly, it's just sin. Sin is the barrier for communication with God. If you're here this morning and you are checking out Jesus, you said, I'm I'm not a Christian yet. I'm not sure if he's real. I'm not sure if I believe in him. I'm here to tell you this morning that sin is the barrier. We've all been there. We've all been there before. Sin is this barrier because we want to live life our own way. And God said, I created you to live life with me. One of the greatest moments, if not the greatest moment in our life, is when we realize the sin barrier is us. And we say, Jesus, forgive me for my sins and the floodgates open and I'm telling you you will consider it one of the highest moments of your life when suddenly the barrier is gone because of Jesus's life and death and resurrection so if you're here and you're exploring you're saying look I know there's a barrier this morning is an opportunity Jesus forgive me I want to be in relationship with you Or maybe you're here this morning, you've been a Christian a long time, you've been a member of Church Holy Spirit a long time, and you feel like sin is that barrier. Let me say to you, just confess it. Ask for forgiveness. So 
So number one, Jesus prayed at the beginnings of his life. Jesus prayed at the endings of his life. Jesus prayed at the highs, some of the greatest moments of his life. He was in prayer. Certainly, some of the lowest moments in his life, he was in communication with the Father. Jesus prayed with great honesty and with great trust. Philip Yancey tells a story in his book. I mean, it's, uh, Richard Foster tells a story in his book about his friend was at the mall and he was there with his uh, two-year-old son. And they were cruising around the mall and the little boy was tired. He was hangry. He was having a rough time. And right there in front of everybody, the son had a major meltdown. Anybody ever had one of those meltdowns? All right, we know you do as an adult, but what I'm talking about, has your kid ever had that meltdown, right? The kid begins to have a major meltdown in front of everybody at the mall. And the dad is right there in front of everybody deciding what he's going to do. And he walks up to the little boy and he reaches out his arms and he grabs the little boy and the boy is screaming and crying and kicking and he picks him up and he, and he brings the little boy to his chest and he begins to sing a love song over him. I love you. I am your dad. You are my son. Could the dad sing? Not at all. Was the boy listening? Absolutely. As the dad sang this love song over the little boy, the little boy began to soften and curl up into his dad's shoulder. They walked out to the car. The little boy is just holding on for dear life. The dad is continuing to sing a love song over his son. I love you. I am your dad. You are my child. And he gets to the car and he opens the door and he puts the little boy in the chair. And the little boy looks up and he says, Dad, will you sing me that song again? Folks, that's the invitation of prayer. Because of Jesus' life and death and resurrection, we can know God as a personal father. We can have this ongoing, intimate relationship with God, no matter the high, no matter the low. It's a gift to intimacy. It's an invitation this morning, right here, right now. Every Sunday, we have an opportunity to come forward to the rail I'm inviting you this morning, come forward. Your father is saying, come forward, no matter where is going on in your life and where you are. We have prayer teams at the straight rail. Maybe you're saying, there's a barrier in my life and I cannot get around it. Come with a prayer team person. Confess it. Open the doorway for grace, forgiveness. Or maybe you're at a spot where you just need to come pray by yourself and say, God, here's the low I'm in. Help me to know you're there. Or maybe you need to come forward and you just need to celebrate. God, I'm coming forward this morning just to tell you how amazing you are that you got me through. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we are so grateful that you gave us this pattern we're grateful that you are a praying person. We ask you now to meet us. Meet us in our fear. Meet us in our excitement. Meet us in our 
dread meet us as that lump in our throat is so big we can't get away from it. Pick us up in your nail-scarred hands. Sing over us this morning, Lord. Sing over us.